You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello. Please let me see your ticket stubs for the double-edged double bill. This week, Full Moon presents Puppet Master, Revenge of Dr. Mordred. Each week, Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for the next episode. One has two good movies, the other two bad. Let the chaos begin. And I am Adam... uh, I'm trying to think of a funny thing that might not be offensive that's related to Full Moon, and I got nothing. Thomas. And I am Thomas Mariani, the true puppet master of this entire podcast to show and you are my puppet i don't know like what which puppet master puppet would you be leech woman <laughs> i mean that's your thing I, I get it you know yeah right don't kink shame no not at all um i would probably be pinhead yeah, yeah. i'd probably be a cross between pinhead and jester no you're full jester yeah, just the the way you manipulate your head and everything and have the weird oh sounds all the time I edit out of the show. But, but I have <laughs> But I have six shooters. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I think we both kinda do that. Yeah, the weird like Frodo Waluigi sound yeah, effect that he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, welcome everybody. You're probably confused as to what we're talking about, because um this week we're covering a very interesting topic that most of you might not really be aware of, um, uh, but we'll get into all of that in a minute. Uh first wait a minute. I'd argue most people are aware of, but most people probably haven't watched. I mean probably might have heard of some of these things, but let, let's get into that in a second. First, welcome to the Double Edge Double Bill. Every week we uh, select a random good and bad feature. Uh, based around whatever topic, um, we switch up on quality. Uh, this week, um, when we did our picking from last episode, Adam had two good picks, and uh, I had two bad picks related to the topic that we're doing. And uh, so we randomly picked number between 1 and 10 for each other's choices and got our good, bad feature for the evening. And uh, Adam, uh, this was a topic that you really wanted to do. So why don't you go ahead and introduce what is the topic we're doing for the evening? We are doing full moon features. Uh, Charles Band's little Roger Corman-esque sort of studio. That's very uh, low budget, predominantly horror and like skin flicks and maybe comedies. And <laughs> they're kind of all thrown in together. I'd argue none of them are very funny, uh, intentionally anyways. Full moon features has been around since... God, the 80s, I want to say. Uh, I remember when I was a kid discovering Puppet Master and uh, instantly kind of being like, what is this? Because I was little and I was kind of creeped out by it, but I was really into like the puppets and the way they were animated and everything. I thought it looked pretty cool. I have the streaming service now. I have the, a mask. I used, I have the toys somewhere. Like I got a bunch of full moon just junk. <laughs> it has a level of charm to it a lot of it does some of it's just 
trash. But it's just C-level charm, garbage films. Yeah, this really fits into sort of the, the sphere of, you mentioned a Roger Corman or also a Troma uh, to some mm. extent. Troma's like a D-level D compared to this. No, I, I think that's the thing. I would argue Charles Band in general was like the medium ground between those two. Because yeah. Roger Corman is like, weirdly, the A-level of B-level movies. And then yeah. Troma is like very bottom of the barrel. And this sort of fits in the middle zone because there are like bits of nudity and stuff that are common to both. But I would argue this one has more of a sincerity. And I wasn't a huge fan of most of these things before, honestly, we decided to do this as a topic. Um, yeah. I had seen like a couple, like we kind of covered a couple of Charles Bain productions, at least when we did our Sewer Gordon episode with mm -hmm. uh, From Beyond and uh, Castle Freak, which was actually filming because like, the weird history of Charles Band is that um, he started producing movies at a younger age with his father, Albert Band, who was initially like mm -hmm. a filmmaker in Europe. And uh, then Charles Band started doing some like smaller scale things. Like the earliest I can think of is like Tourist Trap, right? That was sort of the first big thing. That I believe did. so, yeah. And I was kind of doing a bit of research. I also recently watched the In Search of Darkness documentary. Um, that's like the big 80s horror Shut documentary. On Shudder, Yes. Um, and they have a segment at one point where they talk about directed video movies, and I think Joe Dante argued this, and I could honestly agree, that Charles Band sort of created the idea of, like, direct-to-video success to some degree, because, like, even as early as Tourist Trap was not popular in the theaters, but gained a lot of following on TV because it was just, like, it was creepy, but didn't have a lot of, like, violence or nudity, so it was, like, playing even in the middle of the day on television. So a lot of younger people were attracted to it. Right. And a lot of those early Roger Corman movies were at the theaters, like Piranha, Humanities from the Deep and all that. Those were tech. Those were in theaters. I think Tour Trap was in the theater. I think Puppet Master was in the theaters. The first one. It was designed for the theaters, but he decided to do a direct-to-video at the last second because he'd had a couple flops. Like even the Stuart Gordon movies like From Beyond didn't do as well as he thought he would. Like, right. he had done a couple of, like, 80s, like, theatrical releases. So then he was like, you know, let's just start doing a directed video. And he gained a lot of attention. Like, there are, what, 12 at least official Puppet Master movies released through Full Moon that way. It's either 12 or 13. We'll, we'll, I think talk, we'll talk a bit more about the, the Puppet Master of it all in a second. But, yeah, I think the point is he was one of the first guys to really gain a huge following and success via directed video. And mm -hmm. I think it's it's because of like what you're talking about. There's a weird sincerity and charm to at least the sort of earlier era of Full Moon. Like if you right. go to like what they're producing as a very recent, there's a lot of just like really depressing schlock. That's <laughs> there. Yeah, but if you go like Transfers, Dollman, Subspecies, uh, things like that, there he cares about what he's making. Like he he genuinely thinks like he's making really good micro-budget movies. A lot of them have good effects. A lot of them have good, you know, location. Some good music. They're pretty well done. I think it's because he got a lot of great people who consistently worked in, like, B to C-level talent. Like, I would argue his greatest collaborator. I think the thing that kind of separated him after a certain point was uh, the, the dissolve of the partnership with Dave Allen, who did a lot of the great stop-motion effects that we'll be talking about in both these movies. Before we get too far, let's uh, go ahead and introduce we're, our good and bad feature for this week. Um, first off, we have the good feature, which you chose, Adam, which was uh, Puppet Master 3, Toulon's Revenge. So one of the mm -hmm. many Puppet Master movies released through Full Moon. And then the bad feature uh, that I ended up picking was Dr. Mordred, which is one of their more ambitious projects, as we'll get into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's something. In great detail. But let's go ahead and go into Puppet Master 3, 
Toulon's revenge. The Nazis thought they held the world's strings. Herr Toulon has developed a method of animating his puppets without string. It's as if they were alive. <laughs> but Andre Toulon didn't need wires to make death move. You will cry me mercy. And I will have none. You think I'm afraid of this? You will be afraid. <laughs> Puppet Master 3. Revenge. So Puppet Master 3, um, as if you couldn't tell, was the third entry in the Puppet Master franchise. They're subtle about the naming of right. these movies. But it's a prequel. It's a prequel. Right, it's a prequel. Um, as um, made by, uh, the writer is C. Courtney Joyner, who actually wrote both of the movies we're talking about today. Wrote a lot of these full moon features, was one of the many collaborators. Um, and also was directed by uh, David DeCato, um, who worked a lot with Full Moon was sort of this guy who obviously made a lot of like B to Z grade movies. Um, at this point, he was working more with Full Moon making, making genre movies. Weirdly, he's directed four Puppet Master movies, two of them under a pseudonym, two different pseudonyms, and the most recent one not under a pseudonym. Why? I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, because but... it was the two that he did under the pseudonyms were Curse of Puppet Master. That, that, that's the one I believe where like the random guy in the overalls Ends up going for like, oh golly, I'm just working with this guy who suddenly has the puppets for some reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. That he's like working with the toy maker guy, who you think is like the good guy, but yeah, just turn. It's that's a bad movie. That that's a bad one, and also Retro Puppet Master, which is sort of the infamous one. It has Greg Sestero from The Room. If you've read The Disaster Artist, he talks a lot about auditioning and shooting this particular movie in Romania. <laughs> uh, Greg Sestero trying to do a French accent is hilarious by the way that's not a very good pop and master movie at all but it's worth it for him doing that bad accent and also i do uh-huh. like the retro designs of the puppets because that's a prequel to this movie because it's early too long oh <laughs> the <God>. continuity well it's so weird because like the pop master universe should explain since this is the third entry um if you're not aware the Puppet Master movies were a series of movies that Full Moon did, starting in 1989 with the first Puppet Master, was basically um, introducing the idea that there's this puppeteer named Andre Toulon, who's in that movie briefly played by William Hickey uh, for like 30 seconds at the beginning. And for those who don't, William Hickey's the, from Christmas Vacation. The blessing! <laughs> right, uh, Pritzi's honor, and also he was the voice of the weird Frankenstein doctor in Nightmare Before Christmas, who has right. a distinct beautiful voice that sounds like his esophagus is just lined with cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I think it is. It's just a cigarette. <laughs> right, it's, it's just one long giant cigarette for his esophagus. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, and it's such a bummer that in that movie he doesn't say a word and then he shoots himself at the very beginning of it. I know. Such Sucks. a waste of William Hickey. Yeah, yeah. and even, it, that first Puppet Master movie is so weird because it barely has anything to do with the actual puppets. They, like, come in, like, every so often and they're cool, but it's mostly like a weird possession movie kind of thing. Yeah, about a bunch of psychics who go to this hotel to try to like communicate. There's graphic sex and so, like for no, not graphic sex, but like S and M sex and things like that for no reason. It's it's not a great introduction to the franchise, honestly, compared to like what it became afterward. It's kind of all over the place. I'd argue the second one would have been a better launching point than the first. Uh, well, I, I really like the second one a lot. I would honestly say the first five of these movies are at least watchable to some extent, uh-huh. especially the one we're talking about here, which honestly wouldn't be a bad, clean introduction to the franchise either, because 
as you mentioned, is a prequel. It stands pretty much alone and features uh, Andre Toulon's sort of earlier point where he's um, doing puppet shows for kids and even having some political satire with a little Adolf Hitler puppet in World War II Germany. Um, When he catches the eye of this particular sect of the Nazi party, basically being chased after by Richard Lynch, who we've talked about on the show previously, a great distinctively faced character actor. It's pretty much this really interesting sort of origin story of Andre Toulon and his ability to create these puppets, which is the movie that introduces the idea that the puppets come to life and are able to like move around basically in sort of like a post child's play kind of taking off of Chucky way where they move around like murder people and stuff. But it's introduced here that it's because they have the souls of different people who were affected by the Nazis inserted into them, which makes it, I think, a really fascinating, weird little mythology that builds, despite the fact this movie costs $800,000 to make and doesn't look incredibly expensive, to say the least. Absolutely. I think if you wanted to get in the Puppet Master franchise, this would probably be the best starting off point. Like Mm -hmm. maybe start with three, then go two, four, five. You know, something like that. Uh, or one, two, one, whatever. One's just kind of, if you want to see the first one. But but I absolutely just love the cast in this movie. I think they're having so much fun. Like Guy Rolf is Andre Toulon, who's also in Dolls and, and stuff like that. He's just so just hammy. <laughs> like silly, all of his speeches are, are amazing. But dude, Richard Lynch as a Kraus is absolutely amazing in this movie i absolutely love in this movie he is just such a stereotypical nazi that you would expect in movies shoots women doesn't care is constantly smoking <laughs> you know just he's he's fantastic but it's fun too like this movie it, it, as fun as a puppet horror film set during nazi germany could possibly be this one is it i love the stop motion animation in this some of the gore is really really well done it introduces my favorite of the newer puppets that weren't in the first one with Six Shooter. To explain, he is a cowboy puppet that has literally six arms, and he has six guns that he takes up holsters all over his body. And he looks like a weird centipede mixed with, like, a, a cowboy. Yeah. yeah. But he's really fucking cool in it. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I liked Torch in the second one, but Six Shooter's awesome. Uh, and, and then you get, like, the backstory of some of the puppets, like the Leech Woman and Blade and all this stuff, you get their backstories, which which is really cool. For the shoestring budget they had, you know, $800,000 or whatever, but it is all on screen. A big, big asset to this movie is the fact that they shot a lot of it on, like, the Universal lot, which doesn't make it necessarily look authentic, but makes it look so much bigger than any Puppet Master movie, even the earlier ones or any of the ones afterward. Oh, easily any of the ones afterwards. Good <laughs> lord. But, no, I I picked this one because I, I, back when, like, I was buying DVDs before Blu-rays even came out, and, like, any dollar bin you went to, they had, like, the Puppet Master collection on one disc. And I bought it and binged it, and I, the whole time, you know, while watching this one and after I finished the sixth one, I just kept going back to how much I liked this one. Uh, I think this is the best of the franchise, easily. Yeah, full disclosure, in sort of the, the, the gap that we had between our la- our gangster episode and our last episode on Jack Nicholson, um, I ended up per- going through the Full Moon Features uh, streaming service, which for the record is a very good streaming service. It's actually yeah, really user-friendly, and uh-huh. like the, the video quality is consistently pretty good. Um, even for like the, most of these movies released direct-to-video, they look mostly very cleaned up. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. But 
uh, and I went through all of these Puppet Master movies because it, it's a weird thing. It's almost like a potato chip thing where I watched like the first one into the second one. And I'm like, well, I can't stop here. A couple weekends ago, I just like binged through like all these movies pretty much. And they're all only about like the longest, maybe like 89 minutes long. <laughs> they're all very short yeah. movies. Yeah, this one's like an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, but uh, this one, I agree, feels like the most sincere as well. I do agree that it gets kind of hammy. It gets very uh, sort of sci-fi channel TV movie. It, it's weird how like very sincere this very silly idea is, where Andre Toulon has like this, uh, he's like, oh, he's a puppet maker, and he has these puppets that come to life in a Nazi chase after him. Very silly idea. But Guy Rolf weirdly gives it a lot of gravitas i didn't expect especially his relationship with sarah douglas who was his wife and you really feel sort of the tragedy that happens later when she ends up getting killed to the point where when you find out like oh he put his wife's soul into the body of the character who would become leech woman keep in mind a puppet whose main feature is that she produces leeches out of her mouth and regurgitates them yes out of her mouth onto people's faces a fact that looks very cheap and clearly like they just had a puppet with like latex that could expand yeah it's kind of gross no it is kind of gross especially like in the first movie and the second movie yeah. it's pretty gross it's always, um, it's, i think that's what does it right but at the same time it makes that character who's kind of like a weird gimmick to have in even a puppet master movie um seem really tragic when you know the backstory and context and even more we're like in the second movie she gets like killed temporarily i guess for like a couple of these movies and you actually feel the weight of it now when you if you go back to like the second movie after this like oh my god they killed Toulon's wife like there's a great scene where her and guy rolf are talking to each other just about like what did i ever do to deserve you like as and it's like oh no i'll never leave you like it's a really poorly written scene that they give so much like actual umph to where you really want to see their little cute relationship and these weird puppets they have as basically children keep on going from here. I find this one to have the most sort of, I don't really want to say stakes, but maybe stakes to it. You're able to like kind of sympathize with Toulon and his wife and even the the boy and his father who are hiding out with him and all that stuff. There, There's more sympathetic characters. There's more relatable sort of tragedy to the characters. Like I said before, I think, I think Lynch is the bad guy is absolutely fantastic. You just kind of can get behind this one more than any of the other ones. It's not too, It's not as one-dimensional. Or, as strange to say, not as off-the-wall batshit crazy as this franchise became. Like, once you get to the next one, woo! <laughs> it's starting to go nuts. Are you talking about the fourth movie in which a demon, it turns out, is the person who had the entire secret of the Puppet Master curse or ability to, like, transfer souls into them and starts chasing after the puppets with little demon puppets that he creates. What's so not, not subtle about that at all? Wait, that demon looks at his animated is the funniest fucking shit ever. <laughs> He's got like a butt in him. <laughs> it's just so stupid. It's, honestly, it's kind of an impressive looking giant monster thing, but also he talks and there's no mouth movement, so it's way funnier that way. At all. But no, I, I just, I like this one is the last one, at least for a, quite a while that still had a sense of, um, God, realism is really stretching it here. But going on from here, it's fucking wild. Uh, this is the last one that I care really about the characters. The, and then it just got to where 
like four and five, I just wanted to watch it for the effects and stuff like that. Because I don't give a shit about the lead guy in the fourth and fifth one. Well, well, that's true. I think the biggest mistake with a lot of the sequels that followed is that they have so many times where it's like, oh, we have to have some successor to Toulon uh-huh. become the new puppet master. And all of them are really fucking dull characters. Like, even I like four and five, I think mainly because they go sort of weirdly ambitious with it, despite being completely contained in a hotel and looking yep. pretty cheap. But at the same time, they try and explain it where it's like, oh, there's a demon trying to chase after these guys. And weirdly, four and five were like supposed to be one big movie. And they clearly like cut it in half. Yeah. Um, but I think four and five at least have some more ambition. This one I think works because it's, I, I think what you're looking for is that this one has, is the last one to have like a real genuine heart to it. This is the last one I think really has a lot more authentic, at least like relationships between the characters. Like my favorite of the side characters is really Ian Abercrombie, who plays the Nazi scientist, who has like shifting factions between he's working under the Nazis, but only because he can do like research about science and especially trying to find this reanimation thing. And he's really impressed and respects Tuan. And I like the scene where him and Guy Rolf kind of trade off together about like how this happened and why he's able to have this ability to insert the souls and stuff like that. It feels like there's a genuine real respect between these two characters in the middle. Keep in mind a movie where it's about a bunch of fucking little puppets that kill people. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying though. That's why this one is so good. Because there's genuine character relations, there's genuine, you know, sort of growth to these characters and, and, and everything. There's there's a reasoning behind everything that's kind of being done. Whether it's a fucking wild, crazy reason or not, I mean, basically what they're doing, they're trying to get Toulon's formula so they can have reanimator formula. That's literally what they're doing. I mean, it looks through like the reanimator formula from reanimator because it's a green And they're vibe. trying to resurrect dead guys, and the first one they do is crazy and tries to kill them. And I do love Leo. There's also the one test subject human who like shot himself and his initial yes. reflex is to immediately try and shoot himself. And then he dies. Right. That's, and that's kind of a cool idea. There's so much more to this than any of the other ones, at least as far as relatability, like I said, which is, again, I feel like a fool for saying that even about a puppet master movie, but it, it, let's put it this way. In comparison to the first one to where you don't give a shit about any of the characters, and then the second one where Tulan is back and he's fucking crazy evil. That's fun. And it's like he's wrapped up like the Invisible Man and it's just doing weird that shit. makeup at the end when he's got like the real man doll face and stuff. Yes. It's creepy, dude. Like it's kind of creepy. Right. Which um, we should give. We mentioned him earlier, but the late great Dave Allen, uh, who did a oh, lot of stop motion effects. Really, really. Cool. was a real good workman for like special effects uh industry even before this it's put up for like ghostbusters 2 and um, he was nominated for an oscar for the young sherlock holmes which was one of the initial movies to introduce cg and stuff like that um very talented effects artist who did a lot of work especially with these puppet master movies for the first five movies which is why you can tell all the stop motion which is clearly cheap still has so much heart in it like each one of the puppets has a distinct personality because of Dave Allen's work with like manipulating the puppets as well as doing the stop motion puppet stuff as well. It looks so much like, oh, there's so much earnestness and you really give a shit about Jester, who is a puppet that can like trifect his face and move around. It's just like That's all funny. these puppets have very simple gimmicks, but at the same time you feel invested because they actually feel like real distinct characters as much as they can be when they don't talk and they kind of walk around. <laughs> I love the trick of just having, like, where it's the pinhead doll, but then it's, like, clearly real hands <laughs> to lift stuff or whatever. It's just, like, pinhead's head in the background. I right, love and that. they had, like, a little person's hands actually in, like, fingerless gloves yep. and shit, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, no, I, I you know, I agree with you, because you can clearly tell, like, not 
not really six. Retro, like you said, is still kind of cool. But like the later ones, like Access of Evil and Access Rise stuff, it's really shoddy looking. Like even it's, the way the puppets look, they look cheap. Right, because we should probably say that like after this, you had four and five, which we mentioned, which were very silly, but at the same time feel like they have some of that earnestness left um, and try and do some ambitious stuff. And then Curse the Puppet Master is the sixth one, which is just very rote, kind of like, oh, standalone, boring sequel, where it's just like, oh, this random guy has the puppets now and his apprentice. Like, like, I literally think it's right at an hour long, that one, too. Right. And then Retro Puppet Master, which is about, like, Tublon as a young man, who, when he kind of is, like, discovering things with these, I mean, like, cool-looking, like, early versions of a lot of these puppets that are, like, yeah. wood. Then you had Puppet Master the Legacy, which is literally a clip show. It's, like, 70 minutes long. 10 minutes of that is new footage, just, like, carrying on Toulon's legacy. Let's remember all these moments with these puppets. <laughs> From the last fucking seven movies, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's really, it's bad, bad, bad. And I think the next one is, is that Access of Evil? Well, that's the next official one. In between, there is a bad TV movie called Puppet Master vs. Demonic Toys. Oh, so bad. It's, it's so a, fucking... To the point where Charlie Band wasn't even involved in this one. Like, that's how wow. much he... It's it's even lower standard than that Corey Feldman plays Toulon's great-grandnephew. Uh, with fucking baby powder in his hair. Yeah, really bad. Um, and then, like, the most recent ones were, like, the Axis trilogy, which is basically, like, going back to World War II, but they're following up more on, like, the um, continuity where Toulon killed himself in, like, 39, even though this movie takes place in, like, the early 40s. So it doesn't make a lot of sense, like Puppet Master 3. It's, once again, they don't care about continuity that much. At all. And uh, these ones feel a lot more sort of like, oh, we're trying to rebrand Puppet Master for like a modern era where they're still kind of nice, but also there's a lot more nudity. There's some nudity, obviously, in these earlier movies, but there's yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. more in these other ones and really weird racist stuff in it, too. Dude, some of the puppets, good lord. Yeah, there's one that's called Kamikaze. If you can imagine really bad propaganda from that era of Japanese people, yeah, that's what it looks like. And it literally yeah. is designed to kill people in a suicide bomb thing. Like Kamikaze. Yep. yep. Um, there's another one that's a ninja who has six arms. Yeah. Which was the original idea for Six Shooter. Yep, that was the original idea. Yeah, yeah, yep. I'm glad, obviously, they didn't go with that route. No, yeah, because especially that's also a movie where they... I know it's like takes place in the 40s, but they say a certain slang term for Japanese people a lot. Like, a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not comfortable with them saying this We're much. Too much. Um, but the, yeah, the, the first two Axis ones, I kind of like the third one because it does more of the weird psychic shit comes back. And it's kind yeah. of fun for what it is. And also they do, they do this weird thing where we can't do the stop motion anymore, but we're going to have people like on green screen and wearing outfits, like costumes of the puppets, <laughs> which is kind of fun. <laughs> it's fun. But then, then the one, the notorious one that I've been talking to you about since God, the start of the show almost. Yeah. The one that is not Full Moon Features, and it's written by, uh, what's his name? S. Craig Zoller. Yeah, S. Craig Zoller, who, who wrote Bone Tomahawk and, and Dragged Across Concrete and all those. And it's the Puppet Master of the Littlest Reich, starring Thomas Lennon, and like Barbara Crampton shows up, Michael Paré. It's one where you would recognize like some of the actual people in the movie, unlike in any of these other movies, really. Yeah, and it is so malicious and racist. Right, the big reinvention they do for this one is that now Andre Toulon is was a Nazi who yes. basically designed these puppets to kill, which is so antithetical to this franchise. feels like with this one, it's just like, oh, let's just kind of do something silly and stupid. 
with this concept because no one gives a shit. All the puppets look very well designed and there is a lot of impressive gore and stuff, but it feels so much more heartless in a way that I was just like really turned off by. Yeah, I agree. And it's just cruel to be cruel. Yeah. Like there's a scenes that are completely unnecessary, like the, the pregnant woman thing. And then the, the dude get while he's going to the bathroom and all that. It's like, there's no need for this. Like now you're just showing off the, like, look how gory and crazy we can be, and that that's the only point to it, and it just doesn't work for me. Most of the other Puppet Master movies feel like they're written by a very sincere, earnest 14-year-old who's doodling in his uh, notebook outlines, and then Littlest Reich is made by the asshole guy who's just like, well, how about you do something fucked up? Like, they're actually Nazis, bro, that'd be great. I'd much prefer the earnest kid who's creating a whole universe out of these very silly ideas, but doing it in a way that feels genuine. And to get back to Puppet Master 3 which we were talking about earlier at some point. Um, I, I think the reason this one stands out so much is because, like, when it goes on the sort of, like, revenge thing, the titular revenge of Toulon, and it has these gorier moments, it feels, like, very investing because you're with Toulon this whole time. Like, yeah, fuck them up, these awful Nazi pieces of shit. Like, the dude gets shot by Six Shooter, awesome sequence. I love that. I love it so much. Dude gets shot out of a fucking window, and it's so good. <laughs> Oh, dude, it's six shooter climbing the side of the building and stuff. Like how cool it looks. Like said, <laughs> <laughs> as voiced by Albert Band, the father of Charles Band, who who did flee Nazi Germany, by the way. Yes, very true. He was in. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's there, there's so much more. Like it feels once again, it's made by people who really care about this idea and treating it seriously, despite how silly it is. It feels like the most sincere Ed Wood movie you could ever imagine. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, only this yeah. is also one that had a bit more of a budget than even an Ed Wood movie. Because Ed Wood didn't have access to, like, studio backlets, really, in his career. No, no, no. Ed Wood didn't have access to anything above $100,000, basically. Um, <laughs> well, also, we, we didn't mention in full, but uh, Richard Lynch's death scene, I agree, is the best sort of, like, death scene in the movie. Dude, the snot and shit running out of his nose. Oh, and even just the, the fact that he's being hung on, like, these wires, basically, like he's a puppet. It's such puppet. a great, like, thematic visual way of closing off this entire movie that he kills this guy who was responsible for so much with not just puppets, but also in a puppet like fashion burning the ropes right. and having him fall. So good. Yeah. It's cool. And I like blade. The puppet looks like Richard Lynch now to me. Every time I see it, I'm like, Oh yeah, it's, that's blade. Well, well, even though you, you know, the backstory of who he's actually based on from the original movie, like, uh, you're going to have to refresh my memory. I do know it's, it, but he was designed after Klaus Kinski. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Obviously too. Yes. I mean, uh, very obviously and now blade was sort of like the big poster boy for these movies also like he was the, the main yeah. one including he just got a spin-off movie just this yep. year which yep. i would argue is the best one they've done in a while not to say it's good but i would say it's at least has the same earnest energy that i haven't seen this franchise in a lot of entries i haven't watched it yet i keep meaning to it's not highest on my list let's put it that way i do want to no, watch it right but just because i've seen them all so I gotta right. see it. Well, right, of course. That's that's what it kind of feels like. Now I'm I'm trapped in this existence now. I'm more because I binge through all these movies. It's like if they make another one, I'll fucking seek it out. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Is like this franchise is sort of entrancing to me in a way where like it appeals to the peanut part of my brain from childhood that also loved like Toy Story and Small Soldiers, where <laughs> I like the cast of all these like little toys, and I also like the weird universe it builds. Where like I said, despite these puppets never really talk, they make weird sounds at points, but that's about it you feel sort of invested in seeing like where are these all going to go and you want to see how they can do creative stuff. Well, I think that's 
Charles Band's sort of MO period. Like he clearly has a fascination with toys moving around and dolls coming alive and everything like that. Or at the very least small things that are toy sized. Right. Because I mean, like we said, there's not only Puppet Master, there's demonic toys, there's doll man, graveyard dolls. There's hundreds of full moon movies about dolls. Like that's something he's into. Maybe it's a a primitive fear of his or a deep rooted fear or something he's just fascinated by. There's, there's so fucking many and most of them are garbage, but there are so many. Right. Including at least half of these puppet master movies. If maybe uh, more yeah. like two thirds of them <laughs> are, are not very good, but, um, but yeah, I mean, do you have anything to add Adam for final thoughts? Cause we do have another movie to talk about. <laughs> God. Yeah. No, I just, you know, if, if, you haven't seen any of the Puppet Master movies. This would be a good one to start with, I think. I'd imagine most people, at least genre fans, have seen at least one of the Puppet Master movies. Or if not, are at least aware of some of these characters, like Blade, probably. Blade, you're definitely aware of. Probably Blade and Pinhead are probably the most famous. But, you know, if you are at all sort of curious, I think this is a good one to jump in at. It's the most earnest and sort of the, the most fun. Yeah, honestly, like in going into this, having not seen any of these movies, I was just like, all right, Adam's doing this full moon thing. I don't know how the fuck this is going to turn out. Um, and then I ended up being so addicted to all these movies and even some of the full moon ones, other ones we'll talk about maybe a bit later. Um, I, I was just like weirdly entranced because it feels like I said, it feels like the best of um, earnest bad filmmaking you could possibly get. It, it, it fits in that same corner of like somewhat near a Miami connection and stuff like that. But in this case, it feels definitely like this is a genuinely good one. It's one of the rare, like really genuinely good ones of the entire full moon catalog because of what we kept saying. It's earnest as the cast is really committed. There's a lot of cool death sequences and stuff. Um, something you would never suspect from a director whose first introduction to his movies was a talking cat, the infamously terrible uh, movie where it was literally shot at somebody's house. And it's about a family who discovers their cat talks and by talks, I mean he has like a little black square that opens up and down in front of his mouth. And the voice that comes out is a very hungover Eric Roberts. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it's a real movie. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Shaquille, previous guest who introduced me to this insane, terrible movie. Um, but And also is a guy like we didn't talk about. David Dakota after this point made a lot of like softcore twink boy movies yep. which are about these boyish looking guys who all just pretty much hang out at like one house together and are all shirtless and only wear like jean shorts um it's very soft core porn i'm disappointed that more of these movies didn't kind of take on the clear mantle that this one ended up setting up like the continuation because at the end of the movie toulon and this boy who we didn't really mention a lot who was at one of his puppet shows and kind of comes under his assistant tutelage and his father who tries to sell out toulon ends up getting killed he becomes toulon's like a real apprentice and the whole time especially watching it this time after seeing all these other ones i'm just like why the fuck didn't we just follow up this character exactly way more like my pitch would have been instead of these stupid access movies would be to do like a post-world war ii Toulon passes the mantle to this character and he ends up searching around like South America for Nazis with the puppets. Oh, that could be cool. Yeah, yeah. Or even gets involved with like the Vietnam War or something like that. Like anything. Like fascism. So, like we said, if you could decipher any of these ramblings about the Puppet Master movies at all, we've just been doing it for like right. the last 40 or so minutes. Um, 
watch the series, it doesn't. It's not much clearer. I think it's the thing. Like, <laughs> if you can get on board with at least this one, definitely at least watch the first five. And if you can keep going from there, tread lightly. <laughs> more power to you if you can. More, more I've power. done it. I'm a glutton for punishment, though. Thomas, you did it. You're a glutton for punishment, too, apparently. You know, if you're in quarantine, it's kind of like a TV show, basically. This feels like a weird TV show. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I could see that. I could absolutely see that. But anyway, anyway, anyway. We got a whole other movie to talk about, so let's get into that. But first, here's the ESO so you can queue up right after our podcast. <laughs> The next evolutionary leap in the Thunderverse has arrived. The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling and a half hour. What? The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling and a half hour. What? Every show. What? 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 You come up around here wetting in sexy Thor's yard like he's anything but the hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, marking out but never tapping out Lord of Thunder, like you would do anything but sit down, open your ears, and take in the Ring of Thunder wherever you find your podcast, like you would find any other podcast in the Thunderverse or the ESO Network. And now let's get into our second feature. Dr. Mordred. Dr. Anton Mordred has stood guard between our world and the dark dimensions. Now, after centuries of waiting, evil's ultimate warrior has arrived. Cabal is a demon who uses mortals to do his bidding. What difference does it make if I want this dying planet? A sorcerer is not a god. Dr. Mordred, master of the unknown. So Dr. Mordred uh, came out in uh, 1992, and it has an interesting history behind it. Um, It's, as we mentioned, also written by C. Courtney Joyner. And this time it's directed by Charles Band, and also with his father, Albert. So it's a father-son directing team here. For one of the more ambitious ones in the Full Moon catalog, cost $2 million. That's like Lawrence of Arabia budget for a Full Moon movie. (laughs) Right. That's pretty. That's pretty sad. When the eight hundred thousand dollar budget one looks just as good, if not better. Uh, this movie has interesting history to it. So, like, stop me if you heard the story before. Doctor Mordred is this guy who lives in New York in an apartment complex. That it turns out when you go inside, it's like, oh, it's like this big sort of uh, circular room that has a lot of weird mysticism to it. And it turns out that he is a sort of sorcerer with some sort of supremacy to him, you could say. Um, and he is uh, advised by the Monitor, who is this mysterious. Uh, other earthly person uh, who says, oh, you have to do all this stuff and protect the universe from any threats. It's a very ancient one. Right, a very ancient character. Almost, um, you know, he's a monitor who definitely does a lot of watching, you could say. Yes, absolutely. A lot of watching. And uh, Dr. Mordred has a lot of strange quirks to him. Um, He has, like, Mm -hmm. this big elaborate collar and these robes and uses a lot of, like, hand magic. Always an amulet. Right, an amulet that looks a lot like an eye, maybe of Nagamoto. Uh, of some sort. Yep, yep, sure. In case you couldn't tell, this is clearly very much inspired by the Marvel Comics character Stiltman. Yes, right, <laughs> Stiltman. Stiltman and Doc Ock the Leaper. Um. <laughs> but no, it's like, literally, the history of this movie is that Charles Band got the rights to do a Doctor Strange movie. Because this was at a time when Marvel Comics was in a lot of debt, like in the 80s, because they had some bad investments, like, what, like Junk Bonds, right, was what the issue was? Yeah, yeah it was Junk Bonds. And plus... They never thought that the movie game would be for them. But they had to do that, like, desperation, because at this point they had to sell off a lot of the movie rights in order to make up some of that bankruptcy stuff. Like, so there hadn't been really a lot of different adaptations. There had been, like... Those shit Captain America movies. Like, in the 70s, and yeah. the only theatrical one so far had been Howard the Duck, which is sort of an infamous bomb. <laughs> we we should probably talk about it at some point in the future. <laughs> That will happen eventually. That will happen eventually. Dr. Mordred was supposed to be a Dr. Strange movie, 
Charles Band somehow got the rights. I think just because Doctor Strange, who obviously you know has been to Cumberbatch in the recent Marvel movies, um, was not a very popular character. Yeah, he was like a B to C level character at fucking best. Yeah. Probably D level because Iron Man was like a C level character at this time. Right. Doctor Strange was like basically written for acid heads and shit like that. Like it was fucking. It was just a crazy weird sort of comic story like if it was dc it would have been like in vertigo like right along with preacher and sandman and all right. that like dr strange was fucking bizarre right and so charles Band was able to get the rights but it seems like it was definitely a case of oh he got the rights and he wanted to make this movie but it went through a lot of different stages like it was going to be under one of his uh, earlier companies empire pictures um and actually got uh jack kirby who did who co-created the character dr strange to do some concept art for that version that um, ended up kind of going to turmoil when he lost the rights. It was going to be Dr. Mortalis and then Empire dissolved and it became Full Moon. And then we got Dr. Mordred. Dr. Anton Mordred. Of course, right. He's got a given Christian name on his doctorate. Right. Yes. Yep. Of course, I have to emphasize that. Dr. Mordred has a lot of the makings for what could be a fun sort of Dr. Strange movie of this time period, including... If you were going to make a Doctor Strange movie around this time, Jeffrey Combs, who plays Doctor Mordred, is perfect casting. Absolutely. He's phenomenal in it. The problem is, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into yes. it, baby. None of it is fully realized on camera at all to me. There's a lot of bells and whistles and things like that, but it's almost like just showy. Like this is what it is. And everything else sort of takes a back seat to the bells and whistles. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of heart put into it. Now, I don't know if that's Charles Band directing. But it, it's just it's kind of a bland affair the whole way through. I would slightly disagree in that I would say it has like starts and spurts where it's like really kind of like, oh, well, we're doing some kind of fun, mystical, interesting where it feels like, oh, we're kind of building up the universe, Dr. Mordred, all this other stuff. And then the big problem is it stops and it goes to this police station because Dr. Mordred's love interest, Samantha Hunt, played by Yvette Nipiar, is like this advisor for the police department who works, specializes in like dark magic. She knows all this shit. And everyone's like, whatever, you're a quack, doesn't matter, whatever, you never do anything. And that's how all the cops talk, Exactly, by like the way. 100%, yes. What the hell are you doing? Hey, yo! <laughs> a lot of that. What's the matter with you? And she, <laughs> like, she literally discovers Dr. Mortar because it turns out she lives at this apartment where he is the landlord, the mysterious landlord that doesn't, like, come into people's, like, lives at all, really. He just mysteriously lives on the other end. Like, no one knows he's even the landlord of this building. <laughs> It's a good-ass landlord. Except he doesn't, like, help out with, like, any situation whatsoever going on. Like, she has to beg him to fix her sink after he, like, talks to her. What a lazy-ass landlord. You got fucking magic, bro. You could fix her sink. You don't even need to hire a plumber. Why do they not have air, you fucking asshole? (laughs) Anyway, so (laughs) the boiler's not working. What the fuck? I will say Brian Thompson is a lot of fun in this as Cabal. Right, who uh, is sort of the villain. Is he, like vaguely based on any Doctor Strange villain at all. It's basically Dormammu, an evil version of Doctor Strange. Right, though, I don't know. I, most of my knowledge about Doctor Strange comes from the new Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, and Dormammu yes. was like a big yeah. cosmic creature. The thing is, in this, though, they, they're they both cosmic in this. They're, these are their forms as humans, right. you know, to, or whatever the fuck. No, Dormammu was a, a human sorcerer who, like, took the ultimate evil and stuff and then he became like right and of course the human form he chose was this big awkward looking dude who has like this massive flowing this feels like you really want to do the kurgan from highlander but on a budget yeah for anybody who who who's, doesn't know who brian thompson is 
Um, he's Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Mm-hmm. He's in Lionheart. He's the bad guy in Cobra, the Sylvester Stallone movie. Yes. Um, wh- one of my favorites is he's the um, German pilot in Three Amigos. Absolutely. That's right. And we used to, uh, when we were kids, because we always were like kind of creeped out by his face. <laughs> he used to call him Chisel Face. Yeah, because has... his face looks like it was chiseled out of fucking marble. Right. It's so many hard, hard angles and lines. You're like, how the fuck is this guy a real person? He is. He's probably a cousin of the Rock Biter from Neverending Story. Oh, I think he is the Rock Biter from Neverending Story. <laughs> Not even the cousin. He just, he just is. He just, <laughs> nah, he just stole some space. But I, I mean, he's really kind of trying in this. He's giving it his all. Like he, he's a very sort of reliable C-level actor. Like, he he does give a shit in everything he's in. He's a character actor who comes to play even with his limited skills, and I like a lot of the scenes where it's him doing magic shit, or it's Jeffrey Combs also kind of trying to do some magic shit as well. Especially, I honestly was kind of hooked for at least the first ten minutes or so of this movie, where Jeffrey Combs, like, goes to the other realm, and it's that weird floating castle. It looks pretty cool. Dave Allen, once again, doing production design and the effects work. Um, he meets up with his buddy, who's the the guard, who has his eyes poked out and shit like that. It's like, oh, this is kind of cool, even though it's super low budget. It's, like, really earnest. That's the shit I... Because I saw this movie when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, because it was it was very well advertised, the movie that was supposed to be Marvel's Doctor Strange. So I saw this when I was a kid, and I was hooked into it, man. Like, I really dug this movie. And the first, like, 20 to 30 minutes of this movie still kind of hold Which, up. Which, to be fair, is good. about half the movie because it's only about 72 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But you're right. Once they get to the police station, it's a fucking dead-ass... Like, it just stops it dead in its tracks to the point where I pause it right when they escape. And I'm like, okay, they, they, where are we at? A half of 11 minutes. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, this fucking thing up in 11 minutes? What the fuck? <laughs> and then you, get, you get, like, the most anticlimactic death for a fucking, like, main bad sorcerer I, I, I think I might have ever seen. Yeah. This guy speed the like the baddest motherfucker, most evil sorcerer who ever lived, and he gets fucking gored by a slow ass moving dead in his face mammoth skeleton. Right. Which should be fair. Like that's the thing is like they go over to this museum and uh, they uh, they he starts reanimating these skeletons of like a T Rex and like a mammoth, which are once again day down stop motion effects and look pretty cool. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah, they're fun. When the cops shoot at the one, you're like, it looks pretty bad. <laughs> but compositing yeah. isn't great. <laughs> yeah, but it's also stupid. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> what are you shooting at? But uh, no, it looks good. Like the effects in this are still decent for a low budget movie. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is when when it does sort of have like building the mythology and kind of building up. Doctor Strange versus Doctor. So sorry, uh, legal disclaimer. Uh, Doctor Mordred fighting off um, against Cabal. It's like a pretty fun B movie level. Once again, something you would discover on sci-fi. If anything, my biggest problems with the movie are one, the police station scenes, obviously, which slow it to a crawl, and then also there are a lot of scenes where because this ended up not being a Doctor Strange movie, they decide, oh, you know what will get people to be more interested in this is if we have more gore and foul language and uh, nudity. Like, all that stuff feels so thrown in. 
and very much just like, oh, we're, we're really doing this just for the team, which like, you know, Puppet Master 3, we didn't mention, had like a whole sequence where one of the Nazi guys are surrounded by topless women. Um, and that feels weird for that particular movie. But even in like this context, it just feels so arbitrary and like, once again, really forcing it. In a way, it felt weird for that movie, but I get what they were doing for Puppet Master. They wanted you to think of him as a Nazi scumbag. Right. And what's a quick make of thing was Nazi scumbag, this old fat man surrounded by like women. A harem, basically, Nazi women. Yeah, I, right. I get it. And this, there's no need. Like the chick gets nude and she's like, "Oh, I can't believe like you chose me out of the girls." Like, "Yes, I did choose you." And he's rubbing her chest and stuff, and then he kills her. You're like, "Okay, great." <laughs> like, it's completely unnecessary. It's it's not the worst full moon movie. It's not even the worst quotes here, air quotes, movie based on a Marvel. It's not the worst. I would compare it to honestly in the same way of um, the. 90s never released version of fantastic four where that movie on a lot of levels is like oh it's super cheap it doesn't work but at the same time there's weird moments where you kind of get into it even despite its cheapness oh it's a lousy film but it it, it's endearing in a way like i said this one is a very messy a lot of it doesn't connect and i think you hit it right on the head uh because i didn't really think of it in this way or the way that you did but the a the police scene and b the sort of added uh, brutality moments and the nudity and the the language like it just feels so out of place and disjointed right whereas this feels so much like this would be a great film for like a kid to get into and then this other stuff just comes in like why the fuck is this even here like i said when i was a kid i fucking dug it man i was totally into it plus you know it's like i think i already knew who jeffrey combs was at this point yeah. so i was like oh him <laughs> and he really carries this movie on his back. Like, Brian Thompson's trying, but Jeffrey Combs is, like, the one selling alive, especially when he's, like, staring into this void, talking to the monitor who is literally two eyeballs in a space star field. <laughs> I know. It's so stupid. But it's it's, it's just fun. Like, that, some uh, of that stuff, and also you can tell, like, the budget is on the screen once again for this one. Like, I love the look of his uh, Sanctum Sanctorum. His, his version of that. Me too. Um, which looks like, oh my, this is like a big elaborate circular library. It looks like, wow, you put a lot of money into this set. And he has like the big map where he targets any sort of like supernatural happenings that are going on and shit like that. And I like... It's a super cool idea. Like I would love to see in the Doctor Strange sequel, you know, Doctor Strange with a map and shit like that where he's been following all the paranormal activity that's been happening around the world and stuff. I'll also say, hot, hot take is that I, I like Doctor Strange in those movies, but... You know, I kind of prefer him when he doesn't have a super strained attempt at an American accent. Oh, it's so bad. Why couldn't they just have the British? I don't, I don't know understand. what you're talking about, Adam. I'm 100% authentic American. Why couldn't he have just been British? Does It, it doesn't change the character at no. all. <laughs> Plus, I, I would argue someone named Stephen Strange would probably more likely come from England than the United States. Uh, whatever. You know, because fanboys, that's why. <laughs> He's from New York, assholes. Everybody in Marvel's from fucking New York. <laughs> God damn it. And there are no British people in New York at all. No one from England ever comes to New York whatsoever. But that's the thing, honestly, is that as much as like that's obviously a better movie, the, the Doctor Strange movie that we got, um, at the same time, this one does have a slightly better, I would argue, at least uh, grasp on um, sort of the silliness of this, what's going on. The movie at least gets the, the newer one gets a lot of like, oh, this is like bizarre and cosmic to a certain point. But this one doesn't treat itself nearly as seriously, which I think is a charm that makes it one in one department. It kind of has at least 
a leg up, and every other one it doesn't whatsoever. <laughs> like if you could put transpose honestly Jeffrey Combs into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I would maybe prefer. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, the thing is, I I don't know that I agree with you that this one doesn't take itself seriously. I think it takes itself very seriously. It just doesn't have the budget for the ambitions it has. No. Yeah. So you kind of get what you get. That's probably a better summation. Yeah. That it's it's very earnest and it's trying very hard. Um, and, but it just does not have, it gets a participation. Method. No, right. It gets a very, like, I would say in terms of the full moon movies, you're mentioning where it would rank. This is like dead ass in the middle for me in terms of quality. Oh uh, yeah. I'd say accurate. Yeah. I'd say like it fits accurate. comfortably around yeah. like the first puppet master movie and something like sorority babes in the slime ballorama. Yes. <laughs> Another David to cut feature. We, we, we might talk a bit more about some of these other full moon movies real quick, but um, let's do our final thoughts on Dr. Mordred here. Final thoughts on Dr. Mordred? I think it's fine. I don't think it's the worst of full moon has to offer by any means. I get why you picked it, because it's the most sort of kind of oddball with its backstory and everything else that's involved with it. Uh, but I think if even if you're a fan of Dr. Strange as a character or like you said earlier, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four. I think this fits right along well with that. I think that I think that Roger Corman Fantastic Four and Doctor Mordred is a pretty would be a pretty fun double feature. Right, of movies that sort of have an infamy to them, but when you actually watch them, it's like, oh, these are like kind of trying, despite harmless. yeah, totally yeah. harmless. Yeah, much worse, bigger budgeted ones have come since, uh, for sure on that. Yeah, I mean, I I found this at least fascinating. It's a it's a curio. That's why I, this is one of those movies where it's not necessarily underrated gem nor is it so bad it's kind of amazing it's kind of like this weird curio that could only exist around this particular time <laughs> considering all the weird backstory stuff to it um and it's, it's got a lot of a charm too a jeffrey combs is really great and there's some really cool production design and special effects stuff but at the same time you, you just gotta you know get through some of these police station scenes which uh, don't worry those come in the last 20 minutes of this once again 74 minute long movie <laughs> i know it's, i know it's it's not going to take up too much of your time. But uh, let's get into our feedback section where, you know, after we talk about our features, we end up talking about some of the feedback that you guys submitted in reference to Full Moon. A lot of feedback for Full Moon this week? Um, well, you know, the feedback that we have over on at DEDBPod on Facebook and Twitter. We ask you all, hey, what are your favorite and least related to whatever topic we're doing? And uh, we got one bit of feedback in reference to that. <laughs> Yes. from james rodriguez who i think sums up probably why we didn't where he just says i got nothing but evil bong 2 king bong sounds amazing Oof. Oof. don't watch those don't watch i have those. not seen the evil bong films uh i avoided those Look, avoid the killjoy movies avoid the ginger dead man movies yes i mean just like the plague avoid anything after subspecies 2 <laughs> avoid Avoid anything after Transfers 3. There's a lot of fucking bad. That's the thing about the streaming service. I love it, but you got to navigate through it. Because there are some just re- there are some gems, but there's way more bad than good. No, yeah. I mean, in terms of the good ones that I was able to glean, because I'm not the expert that you are, Adam. Uh, the the well-versed connoisseur of the full moon. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Mr. Band? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm on the I'm on the podcast. <laughs> yes, okay. Sorry, that was my dad. He called. He got into a car. Car. He bought a car. <laughs> so go ahead. By the way, fun fact: uh, Charles Band is the father of Alex Band, 
who you might know as a musician for his one-hit wonder as part of The Calling. Or as Adam Thomas. I mean, yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, I love that Wherever You Will Go song. It was so great. <laughs> um, in terms of the ones I would recommend, like we said, he, uh, Stuart Gordon did a couple movies. Um, I know Dolls is on there, which is a fun little weird yep, like Dolls. movie where it's like a haunted castle filled with like crazy, creepy dolls. Um, it has a lot of David Allen special effects as well. Um, and I don't know, Robot Jocks isn't on there, right? No, but it should be. Bummer. Yeah, because that's a really fun one. Um, that one's awesome. And I know Taurus Trap is on there, which, if you don't know, it's like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff that came out in like the late 70s. And it's not, like we said before, it was kind of like a weird PG-rated slasher, um, but it has a lot of it's, creepy aesthetics to it. Like, all the mannequins are terrifying. Horrifying. <laughs> uh, Castle Freak's on there. Right, as we talked about previously. Uh, you know, one that I discovered that I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of a gem, is Intruder. It is a slasher movie that basically takes place at a um, grocery store that's closing down, and it just follows, like, this woman um, gets harassed by her ex-boyfriend who keeps coming around, and it is, it's very much a typical slasher movie, but it's made by Scott Spiegel, who collaborated with Sam Raimi a lot, who's a producer and appears in the movie, along with Ted Raimi. Um, It has a lot of people from Evil Dead 2, like Dan Hicks is in there as one of the guys who owns the grocery store. Um, It's a really well-done slasher with a lot of great gore and kills, and I'll say has a pretty cool twist at, like, the third act point, and some really amazing shots. But I will say, um, this, I was watching it, and I'm like, oh my god, this is, like, top-tier underrated slasher. And then the last minute has, a, like, another twist I'm not a fan of. I com- completely, completely agree with you. I won't say much more about it, because we might want to cover it on the show, honestly, because it's a pretty good one to talk about. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, at some point. Another thing that they have on the, the, the app there, like the kids say, uh, is the Andy Sedaris collection which are like the lethal ladies. Right. Which are literally, they're, they're basically movies where people are in like these skimpy outfits, like bikinis and they're like secret agents or some shit. Or super badass secret agents. Right. Um, oh yeah. I haven't seen a lot of those except hard ticket to Hawaii is amazing. One of the best bad movies you'll ever see. There's a snake. So great. They're all, they're all just as good. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're terrible films. Julie Strain is in a lot of them. For anybody who doesn't know who Julie Strain is, she's done a lot of, like, really bad Cinemax movies and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so she's one of the big stars of that. She used to be married to uh, Kevin Eastman from Ninja Turtles, He's the guy who created Ninja Turtles. I don't know if he got that Ninja Turtle money. I wouldn't mind getting on that train either. You go, Julie. You're right. That dude's got some fucking dollars. <laughs> but uh, they're so bad. It is nothing but just gratuitous nudity and, and the most awkwardly choreographed sex scenes I've ever seen in my life. There was a lot of under boob rubbing and a lot of dude butt grabbing. They were so fucking bad. My wife and I sat here on a Sunday. I was probably hungover and we sat and watched like five of them. It was the greatest day of my life. <laughs> they're the worst movies, dude. But they're so worth it. They also have uh, Escape from the Bronx is on there. Right, which some of these were not, these were like purchased by Full Moon, not made by Full Moon, but per, uh, the Bronx one, I believe, is like it's an Italian ripoff of Escape from New York, right? One of like the hundreds of thousands of millions. Yep, it's an Italian ripoff of Escape from New York mixed with the Warriors. All different, some of them have makeup. Like I think instead of baseball, there's a hockey gang who wears makeup. <laughs> right. Like it's, it's really fucking dumb. But again, 
totally worth speaking it. in that direction speaking in that direction i would also say we kind of referenced it earlier but um tim thomerson is in a lot of these particularly the trancers franchise and doll man trancers is it's basically like a terminator ripoff it's really fun the first one at least i haven't seen the others um and i know that helen hunts like in the first three right yep and that's why i said go to three and you're good <laughs> uh, and then and i love also doll man which if you don't know is basically the premise is Dollman is this like space adventure who in the first part of the movie you're like oh he's like it's a like Star Wars ripoff and all this other stuff. He's like super cop, right? Super cop in space, and it's kind of like all right, this is kind of yep. fun. And the twist is he ends up getting on Earth and crash lands, and when he's there, he's the size of like a doll, a Barbie doll, a Barbie yeah. doll basically. Um, that sounds about as cheesy as it is. But I will say some of the force perspective shots don't actually look that bad. Some of them do. Yeah, some of them look really bad. But dude, like Jackie Earl Haley is in it he's as really the main good. gang leader. Yeah, and he's really good. It's like one of the last movies like before he like quit acting for a decade and then came back with like yeah. little children and shit like, like that. Right, right, right. Jeez, what a comeback! But <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah. Like that's what I'm saying. You got to navigate. You know what I'm going to do, Thomas? I'll come up with it uh, over the weekend, and we'll post it out on our Facebook page. And I will write down like the 25 movies on the Full Moon service. That you can watch and be okay with. Ooh, that should be interesting content that you'll be able to see on like our Facebook and Twitter. It's hard to navigate, but if you know what you're looking for, there's a lot of gems on there. You could uh, be the guide, yes. I will say, we we will be all here for another like hour if we talked about the bad ones, but I want you to spotlight Adam. The creeps. Talk about the creeps, please, a bit. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so the creeps. Uh, basically... Stereotypical evil scientist trying to start the world, blah, 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 wants to create the creatures and the villains from all the greatest books uh, to help him in his evil plan. Well, he does, and he, he like fucks up, and he gets interrupted or whatever, and he, he's successful, but because of the fuck-up, they all come back as little people. And it's like the Wolfman, the Mummy, Frankenstein, Dracula... And I want to say that's it. I think it's just the four of them. Yeah. Basically, the whole idea is, ha, 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 it's little people. But uh, what's his name who plays Dracula? And I can never remember his name. Phil Fondacaro. Phil Fondacaro. Who for, dude, he's been in Willow. He's been in Land of the Dead. He's one of the more recognizable like little person actors out there. He's fucking rocking the shit as Dracula. He's movie. genuinely quite good as Dracula, which is so weird for this movie. Valkyrie scene? What in the fuck? Well, okay, no, like, the, the big thing that, like, I texted Adam because he insisted I watch this at some point in my Full Moon research, and I did, and I will say, Phil Fondacaro is very good, but it might just be because literally everyone else in this movie, including, like, our main character and the scientist, is stumbling over every single bit of their dialogue. So bad. But, like I said, just for the novelty of, like, they made this. Yep. Like, what are they doing <laughs> and, and, I, and i also found out that was supposed to be in 3d that was designed to be a 3d film which you can tell the cinematography is really weird in that movie <laughs> yep it's shot for 3d like the werewolf drooling on the camera scene yeah. all that there's a lot of scenes that are they're like oh this will be 3d for the best that didn't happen although i don't know i might buy a defunct now 3d tv just so i can watch <laughs> the creeps <laughs> thank you for all that feedback related to that, but we have some other feedback that's just in reference to a couple earlier uh, episodes, including uh, Emily Slade at Why This Film Pod, a friend of the show, says, uh, in reference to our last episode about Jack Nicholson, I love Wolf. 
I was going through a Michelle Pfeiffer, Jack Nicholson, James Spader phase. Imagine my delight when I found Wolf, which that's a very specific t- cocktail of a phase. <laughs> that's very specific. Like just those three in a movie together? Because has there been another one? I, I believe that's sure. the only one, no. Uh, we're just oh. like watching three separate careers, just like, you know what? I really wish all three of them would be together. <laughs> that movie was made for Emily. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, and then we actually got, for the first time in unfortunately a while, a review on our Apple Podcast page. Get the fuck out. I know, yeah, from uh, Kevin251, who uh, says in this t- review titled Not Your Average Movie Podcast, says, uh, what a clever concept for a movie-themed show. They review both a good and a bad movie with a randomized selection process with a common theme for each episode. Very fun. Check it out. Thank you, Kevin, so much. Thank you, Kevin. We definitely encourage everybody, if you can, to please, we say this at the end of every show, but if you can review our show and give us you know, at least a solid four or five star rating. We would appreciate it if you like the show. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, even even if it's a bad rating, as long as it's constructive, we're all we're all for constructive criticism too. Sure. Uh, let us know how we can be better. If you want us to be better, let us know. Yeah, for sure. No, if it's a good idea, we'll try it. You're gonna be way wrong because <laughs> we are fucking perfect. I know, true. We, but, nothing bad about the show at all. <laughs> nothing I have to edit out whatsoever. Or my body. Have you seen me? I'm an Adonis. <laughs> no, that's for the Patreon. Um, but, you know, you can submit all that stuff like at DEDVPod, Twitter, Facebook, or to doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com if you want, especially. Um, and uh, we want to thank also some people like Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music used in our show. Listen to his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. And to Emily Scarter for the great art for our show. You know, and of course, all of you submitted feedback. We do that, like I said, on DEDB Pod, Facebook and Twitter every, you know, trying to do it every Monday or so that we're about to record something. So definitely, if you have anything to say, we appreciate it. And, you know, if you like our content, maybe want to hear more of us babbling in um, exclusive episodes and also pick movies that we get to babble about on the show, you can subscribe to us on Patreon for just $1 a month, patreon.com slash DEDB Pod. Relatively close to when this episode's coming up, there's a new poll for a topic for you all to pick for us, because uh, you know we haven't covered uh, cinema from a foreign country in quite a while. Uh, we did Japan last time almost a year ago. We were like, you know what? We should do another one of those. And uh, what are the two uh, countries that they can decide between at them on the Patreon poll? France or France, Francois or whatever, or, or Spain or España. Yes, so cinema either from France or Spain. That's the poll for you guys to pick on. You'll have a week from uh, the Wednesday after this comes out, which would be on uh, Wednesday, August 19th through uh, the 26th. Um, you'll have a chance to vote and pick which one of those two. Um, you have a dog in that race, Adam? Any that you would want, necessarily? Not to influence anything in the poll. Well, no, no. Well, I, I've kind of, well, no, I was dead on with the last one. I, I'm kind of interested in doing French cinema. Yeah, there's a, there's a huge catalog we could go into. We could do French New Wave on the show. Fits right next to our full moon episode. <laughs> Truffaut, Charles Band, same. High tension or high tension. Those are my choices. And, uh, you know, for more thoughts, uh, you can follow me at Not the Who's Tommy on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I you know, post photos and I also post links to stuff like marianithomas.wordpress.com, where I post up reviews and lists and links to the show and stuff. And you can find Adam trying to put his uh, puppets together to seek his revenge. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm building them to kill me <laughs> at this point. You're not too long as much as Kevorgian at this point. Yeah, well, yeah, my puppet is just a 
necktie around a pull-up bar. <laughs> What's his, like, puppet master name? Necky? Yeah, Necky. <laughs> Necky breaks. For more great content like that, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcasting platforms out there. Or the ESO Network, of course, where you can listen to us and many other great shows. Though you can dig into the archives for the first, like, 60 or so episodes we didn't post on the ESO before we joined on our Podbean channel. And uh, if nothing else, if, like I said, you could rate, review, or at least share the show around to give us more visibility, we would greatly appreciate it. Yes. Please. Please. We do this shit for free. For free. Well, not to our patrons. Thank you for every donation you give us. Yes. <laughs> uh, but this stuff's all free on this particular uh, channel. And speaking of patrons, Adam, um, they choose topics, obviously, and we're going to do another one that they chose um, in a poll yeah. where they chose um, between two dead directors. It was between Alfred Hitchcock and the one who won the poll, which was Mr. Stanley Kubrick. I called that shit. I knew it. I fucking knew it that we were going to get saddled with that shit. Ooh, that's right. Because Kubrick is not. Well, Kubrick has been discussed a lot, but Kubrick is one people want to hear dissected more than uh, Hitchcock, I think. Perhaps, yeah. Because Hitchcock has a much more prolific career in terms of, like that dude was working yes, since the silent absolutely. era until like the mid 70s. Yeah. Kubrick has 16 movies that he directed. Yeah. No, 16. Not very many whatsoever. But, um, and we've talked about Kubrick previously uh, when we did The Killing way back. Which was a great fucking movie. Yes. And I know you're not as yeah. big a fan of Kubrick in general. I like a lot of Kubrick stuff, but I'm not like nuts over his stuff like some people are like like clockwork orange or 2001 or things like that like i i i get it it's fine it just it's never really done it for me well that'll be very interesting because you have the two bad picks i have the two good ones um and so uh, i have assigned number between one and ten for my two good picks you've done the same so each of us will do pick a random number between one and ten and whichever that gets closest to between each other's two features Ends up with our good and our bad features. So, Adam, for my two good picks, number between one and ten. Numero uno. Okay. At number three, um, I have one that um, I do deeply love. Um, it was his one foray into the genre of comedy. It is Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. God, I haven't seen that in for fucking ever. That'll be fun to revisit. I'm a Peter Sellers fan, so that, that'll be fun to go back into. Well, of course, you know, it's a comedy about nuclear holocaust, so fun. Yeah, it's never happened or been relevant. No, not at all. Um, especially at the time it was made and afterward. Um, and then at uh, number eight, I actually had one I haven't seen, but I've heard a lot of, like, it's sort of like the underrated MVP of Kubrick. I might watch it as prep for the show, just uh, at curiosity. It is Barry Lyndon. That's a good one. I have seen that one. That is a good one. Okay. Well, Adam, now I'm very curious for your bad picks. So, yeah, I'm going to go, you know, you did number one. I'll do number 10. At number 10 on the dot. I have one that is rumored to have been at least 75% written by him. Uh, AI, artificial intelligence. Oh, wow. So it's a Spielberg-directed film, but the first and last third of it uh, was written, supposedly, by Stanley Kubrick. I honestly was not expecting you to go with that. That's very interesting. Okay. Well, what was your what was your other choice? Number one, I, I literally did one and ten. Number one was Eyes Wide Shut because 
fuck that movie. I was expecting <laughs> that. I haven't seen that one in a while, but I remember really digging it. But I think I'm a bigger Kubrick fan in general than you. That's 1,000% correct. <laughs> or 2,001% correct. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending that to the New Yorker. Okay, so AI and uh, Dr. Strangelove, that's... That'll be interesting. Like I said, I haven't seen Dr. Strangelove in a long, long time. So it'll be fun to revisit that one. AI, I've seen actually quite a few times because there's a lot about that movie I'm fascinated by. Uh, Not necessarily enough to enamor myself to the film. But uh, yeah, it's going to be different. AI I have not seen since the theater. Which, I'll I'll talk more about that because I was a kid and I was like, oh, new Spielberg movie. I'm so excited. And I did not get the Spielberg movie I thought I was going to get. <laughs> no, it's the least. But I, I think that was my first experience with it too. Yeah, so uh, we'll get into all of that next time. But until then, uh, Adam and I uh, have to inject our souls into different puppets that have cool, quirky names. Yes. Uh, good night, everybody. Good, good night. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.